Today's episode is brought to you by Balulu Studios. Balulu Studios is a small event space located at 3131 Bull Street in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, visit balulustudios.com backslash event space. That's B-U-L-U-L-U studios.com backslash event space. Hello, this is Kevin. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Ten Frame. Today, Kelly and I were able to meet with Russ Noto through Zoom. Russ is an oil painter living and working in Sarasota, Florida. You can view samples of his work at russnoto.com, and a list of available paintings are found at floridamininggallery.com. If you are interested in what Kelly and I are up to, follow us on Instagram at Kelly K. Thompson Art and Kevin Will Paint. Thank you for taking some time out of your weekend to talk to us. We'd just like to get out of the way if you could let everyone know where they can find you, where they can view your art online. Um, you can go to uh, russnoto.com, which is www.russnoto.com. It's pretty comprehensive. I usually update it regularly. Um, and Instagram as well, too. Um, trying to think if there's work. Uh, you can go to the Florida Mining Galleries website as well uh, to look at like available works uh, as they represented me now. So uh, yeah, those are like the three main places you can find good content. I guess since you mentioned Florida Mining, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with them, how you got involved with it, and I don't know, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I got involved, well... I guess let me backtrack. I knew Steve Williams, who's the owner uh, of Florida Mining. I knew him when I lived in Savannah. Um, and we have a bunch of mutual friends and things like that. And anyway, he was always a great guy. I got along with him really, really well. Uh, I think he paused Florida Mining for a little bit and then reopened it. Uh, when would that have been? Maybe 2019, 2020 or something like that. Um, and Again, we've known each other for a little while and we have mutual friends and things like that. So anyway, he was excited to show work and I was excited to make new work for for him and start showing with them. They just bought a new space or are setting up a new space in downtown Jacksonville, which is going to be their new like physical location. So that's pretty exciting too. But yeah, Steve is a great dude. He's one of my favorite humans. He's a He's a, he's a good guy. Sweet. I might have put the cart before the horse, but you mentioned it and it made me think about that. I want to back up a little bit too. Russ, can you just explain to me, because I'm not as familiar with Florida mining and maybe some of our other audience uh, participants who are not familiar with it, can you just explain in generic terms what it is and how it's related to what you do and, and the arts community in Florida and large? For sure. So Flora Mining was set up originally as uh, it, w- it was a gallery that was intended to show artists, emerging artists from the Southeast. Um, so I don't think it's, it's limited to just Florida uh, because they represent artists in Georgia and things like that. But it was Steve's goal to, you know, just give representation to emerging artists in the Southeast. 
and he's been really great. He's been really supportive. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a regular commercial gallery, but it's got, seems to me, has a lot of heart behind it, more so than a lot of galleries that I've dealt with. Not to say that I've dealt with galleries that didn't have heart, but he's, he's like a, he's a, he's a great cheerleader and a great supporter of, you know, emerging artists. And he's also very invested in, um, in Jacksonville specifically and trying to, um, sort of revitalize some of it because as far as I understand, um, Jacksonville maybe hit a low as like sort of a, a Southern industrial town. And, um, but he's trying to add vibrancy and trying to bring people from other areas to Jacksonville is also, uh, like one of the few historic places in Florida. I mean, not few, there's plenty of historic places, but it's like a predominantly historic part of Florida, which, uh, he's trying to attract people to, and, you know, so, sort of like bring, bring new energy and new blood to that, to that town, you know? Right on. Well, I guess we should jump into your work. The, your behind you is some of your work and it's very beautiful, lush paintings of, it looks like plants, maybe are they birds of paradise? So, no, they're not paradise. They're, uh, there's uh, what are they? Uh, there's some paradise palms, which would not not a bird of paradise, but they're paradise palms and some banana leaf palms that I actually have in my backyard. Um, and yeah, so I started doing the like landscape nature kind of base in the work uh, that came out of like kind of two sentiments. One was I was doing a lot of figurative work. And I was sort of running, I guess running out of ideas, you know, I just didn't know what else I could do with the figure. And it got to me to be, I don't know, it was too direct. It was too, too many, I don't know. It was just like, you would see the figurative stuff and, and everything was there prepared for the viewer. And there was, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to get away from it. I've been doing it for so long. so. I wanted to sort of, I got into this more like meditative structuring of compositions and it also started during COVID, which out of all the craziness and anxieties of that time, uh, I was really enjoying the fact that we were outside a lot and I was spending like so much more time outside. I had also just moved to Florida. So the, you know, the opportunity to be outside was uh, way more than when I was living in Philadelphia and stuff like that. So I was really enjoying that side of COVID. So the, and it was really, it seemed kind of, you know, just, uh, it came kind of this like maybe spiritual element in the work a little bit, nothing religious, but like sort of grounding during those times, uh, and peaceful. So that's become like the backdrop and the, the, the place in which things take place now. So if I can clarify, it's not necessarily about the nature and the serenity of nature and all of that stuff. It's just sort of the, uh, you know, the place in which all the other situations and actions happen. So I've been using it as like, kind of like a grounding element in the work. And then you can add these other things over. I've been adding vinyl text as a vinyl stencil actually. Uh, and then putting these like, you know, these, these neon marks 
uh, and elements over it to sort of vibrate against that, like uh, that 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 place uh, of nature. So it's kind of uh, like I said, a starting point for things to vibrate against over that. Um, so that's kind of like where I, where I started with it, and and where I'm kind of at with it now too. Is it's it's sort of uh, again the place in which these circumstances happen. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was gonna talk to you a little bit about a statement I think I read online that you stated that you try to think like a or act like a sculptor and think like a painter and that really kind of resonated with me as I look at your work because there's a lot of there's a layering there and there's a three-dimensionality of kind of objects painted very realistically on top of these foundational backgrounds and it really does kind of play with the spatial relationships a little bit because the three-dimensional elements kind of look like they're on top of this foundation. And um, it's interesting to hear you talk about that from a sculptural point of view. Can you talk about that? I'll expand on that a little bit too. And maybe I'm going to throw another piece to this question there too, is if you actually do have any sculptural you know, do you, do you ever do any work that's off the canvas? Do you do any three-dimensional work? I do, yeah. So, uh, actually, I will give you a bit of history that I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, but in undergrad, I was actually, uh, I was taking a concentration in sculpture. And I was doing really well. Um, the chair of that department was also the head of the sculpture department. And he was kind of like an older head. And we got along very, very well. Um, and I was going like above and beyond. I was proposing sort of ambitious projects that at first he was like, you know, maybe you should start small. And I was like, nah, I don't want to start small. I'm going to go right for it. Um, and then my last year of undergrad, I switched to painting. And for the mere fact that I didn't know really how to paint and I would see paintings and they would like blow my mind. I just like, was just like, what is this? You know, like I wanted to deal with color and it was like really complex. And so anyway, much to my sculpture professor's dismay, I said, hey, you know, Cliff, I appreciate it, but I'm going to go to painting this last year. And I mean, he was fine with it. He was he, he was confused at first um, and maybe a little grumpy about it. But anyway, I went to painting and I've stayed with painting because I, I you know, I've obviously developed a skill in painting, but it's there's still stuff to figure out about it. Like there's just, there's something about painting that feels like, um, like, I don't know. There's just, it's, it's not so immediate. You know, you can, you can, you can maybe play with metaphor more in painting and things like that. Anyway, I still paint to this day because I don't think I've had, I don't think that I haven't figured out yet, which is something that, um, you know, I think is important in art. I feel like once you answer all the questions, uh, I'm not really sure what else there is to do with things, you know, like if, if you make something and you're like, Oh, well, there it is. You know what I mean? It's perfect. It's just how I imagined it. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what else there is to do. So painting still has like a mystery to me that I've been chasing. Um, that being said, uh, yeah. So the way that I say it is, is think, think like a sculptor and act like a painter. So I'm very much a painter. Uh, but what I really mean by that is, you know, the way that I make paintings is not, I guess, how one would assume. 
in very like superficial terms of painting, you know, like putting things on a canvas and making this two dimensional picture. I very much build these compositions. Uh, I use Photoshop a ton. Uh, I use Illustrator when I need to, uh, but they're, they're built very much built. Um, and that's the way that I think about them so much so that I had ideas recently for sculptures and like sort of assemblages that incorporated three dimensional things. Um, and you know, there's a level there too, that was like, you know, well, what if I just paint everything instead of actually building it and then create this other sort of experience that, um, isn't so much of a painting experience. It's more of a, a sculptural experience made with the the means of a painter, I guess, if that if that makes sense. Um, and then quick to just add to that, that is sort of where I've been exploring like the phenomenal end of my work. So to think like a sculptor and act like a painter makes the work a little more phenomenal. It brings something else to it, you know? Um, it's like, I don't know how, you know, it's like if you see a really excellent guitar player that just like shreds and is perfect, you're like, yeah, he's a guitar player. That's a, that's a guitar player playing a guitar, doing these guitar things. But if you look at the object of a guitar as sort of like wood and metal and fucking electricity, it's, it's cooler. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more exciting, you know? Um, and that's kind of the way that I try to look at my own work and try to sort of let it take a step aside from the, the, the point of view of a painter and just look at it a different way and think about it a different way. Still use, I'm still using traditional techniques. There's nothing new about the materials that I use, uh, but the way I think about it uh, and the way that I try to keep thinking about it is more like that, looking at the materials, and looking at the elements and the like what happens when you put all of this stuff together like what's it gonna do you know um so that's uh pretty much where all of that comes from you know so i i kind of go back to thinking as a sculptor uh which i think i'm more naturally uh uh comfortable thinking like building and putting things together uh as opposed to you know creating just just the three two-dimensional surface um but the two-dimensional surface serves as like another material or another element in the, another part of the work, you know? So do you make uh, oil paint? Are they, do you use oil or acrylic? Yeah, no, I still use oil. Um, I was going to experiment with acrylic, but I don't know. There's also something, the traditional qualities and the historical qualities of oil paint I'm still really interested in. And the more that I try to, you know, the more I use Photoshop, the more that I chase, new contemporary images, the more I still want to use oil paint because of its historic quality. And I like that conversation. I really like, you know, taking these like traditional historical techniques and materials and building, painting and creating like new contemporary images with them. There's, there's that, you know, it's a nice conversation. So yeah, I, 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 for some reason, I don't know, I just can't bring myself to do the acrylics. Uh, and I know there's a lot of great um, products out there to make them act like oils and things like that. Um, you know, I hope it's not to my, the, the detriment, detriment of my health too much, but I like, you know, the smell of an oil.
painting studio is, is pretty, pretty memorable, you know? So. And I just have one other question about your materials. Do you normally paint large scale or do you have smaller pieces as well? Like the images that I see behind you are maybe four by three feet or somewhere in that world, or maybe bigger. They're a little bit bigger. They're, uh, they're four by five feet. Uh -huh. um, I'm most, I'm most comfortable uh, working on larger paintings. Um, I was that, I, I, I was interested in that when I was an undergrad and I was doing some like larger mural scale work. And um, I still stick there, you know, uh, it, it, it depends though. I mean, there's a time and a place for smaller work. Uh, I feel as though I like working big or small. The medium sized canvases to me kind of, um, they're okay. You know, I have a little one oh, right over here. This is yeah. 30, no, sorry, 24 by 30 or something, something like that. Sure. Medium sized. It's a um, it's, it's, it's a comfortable size. So, you know, comfort kind of leads to boring experiences sometimes, but yeah, I mean, I like big and little, if you look at this one, I'm trying to get it out of the way, but this one right up here, um, I really, so that like, kind of, that, well, that, that's all one piece, but that kind of encompasses like the sentiment that I was just talking about. It's like a big canvas and then like a little canvas, but even putting them next to each other has this really great feeling and kind of back and forth um this is also kind of not dedicated to my, to my two children but um it was i don't know about you know, just kind of the feeling of like having a little kid i have two sons uh two and a half and four yeah and it's like a copy of the big one yeah so it's i mean something complex about it it's like i'm the big one and he's the little one you know uh, but i like the like warmth of the neon that comes off of it and thing like that and again it was i was painting this and then i just had this little canvas and i was copying this one the big one onto the smaller canvas and it just kind of put it up and i don't know how well you can tell the it's pretty small but it's on hinges and it, it tips it tips off of the the bottom swings up so it's the little ones at an angle a little okay bit. so when you're when you're on it you kind of look down at it um but i like that relationship you know the like little 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 canvas next to this big one and like kind of playing with that that the feeling of that you know is it actually attached That's a, excuse me the smaller piece on the bottom is that actually attached to the upper one so they act as one piece or it's not physically attached uh um it is it is one piece considered one piece uh with like you know the the, the sum of the dimensions and it has one title, but it's actually attached on little hinges, uh, just below it, about an inch and a half or two inches below it. So it's it's attached to the wall. Right. Um, but, but if it's shown, was, then right. you show it together. It's it's one piece. Yeah, correct. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Um, I wanted to ask too, just to go back on your idea of building pieces and using technology to do that. I'm just looking at the one behind you and I've seen several others where you have this lush foliage and then this neon stroke of what looks like a neon tube on top of it. Do you use, I mean, because I'm looking at it, it looks very thought out where the placement is and how it interacts with what's behind it. Is that one of the uses for having, you know, building it in Photoshop? Would you 
would you use Photoshop to kind of decide where and how that piece is placed on top? Yeah, for, for the most part. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do quite a bit of experimenting in Photoshop and again, like building with layers and putting things together. So, uh, yeah, most of the time, however, um, I've, I've, uh, become confident in the fact that, you know, sometimes, you know, it, you can't, I can't expect to have everything done before I get to the canvas, nor is it really my, my intention to do that. But for the most part, yes. Uh, but sometimes, um, and, and, uh, not sometimes a, a good amount of the time too, I'll change like, uh, in real time, like on the canvas, uh, and edit things, which has also been a good attribute to the work because let's say, for example, I come up with a composition and I work it over for like two weeks in Photoshop and then I plan to get it on canvas. Um, and I get it on canvas and it just, for some reason it doesn't work. It just doesn't translate. It's falls flat or whatever. Um, editing and like taking things out and painting over, um, is something that like I welcome in the process and is always kind of like a treat when that happens, you know, like what kind of turns out is like, you know, a missed translation, uh, uh, becomes sort of its own thing, mm -hmm. um, which if I can elaborate is kind of the sentiment. I don't know, um, with, with kind of the mark making in general, which is like kind of where it came from. Um, but I was doing figurative paintings in 2012 and I was trying to paint a hand, like something boring and technical. And I was just like, I couldn't figure it out. And I kept wanting to paint the face, which, you know, in like traditional studio practices is always kind of like a trap. You know, they say like, you know, just kind of like, don't, don't just work everything all at once and don't get too sucked into a certain part. Well, I had, I, I had a cover and I had a roll of hot pink duct tape and I just covered the face and just so I could like, and it was just random in the studio. It was just like, um, I covered the face of this like hot pink duct tape and I was like, okay, well now I'm going to like try to just like, you know, build out this hand and really get the structure of this hand correct. And then, you know, you step away from it and you're like, shit, that hot pink duct tape looks great. Um, and I, I, I left it and that then evolved to like the neon. I still been doing some duct tape, duct tape stuff. The recent duct tape stuff has been solely just duct tape and, and that's it. Uh, but, uh, this, you're saying that the duct tape is the reference point, right? To make oil paintings, right? Or, or do you paint on? So, so yeah, the duct tape is the reference point where the, 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 they're a little different than the ones that I'm referring to now. The current ones I'm doing are, are a little different than the ones that I started doing years ago that, that are indicative of this like mark making in general, like over a composition or like not infringing on it, but making a mark over this to sort of activate it. Right. Because it's not just a painting of leaves and things like that. It's this, it's this, you know, these things that activate, uh, one another. Um, so, so to answer your question, to kind of get, get back to, to what I think you're asking is, um, yes, yes and no. Like I, I figure out what I can figure out and then I'm also open and embrace the change and things that happen in the moment, like right in the studio, feet on the ground, things like that. So, yeah, I see that you do multiple pieces at once. So that's something that in my practice, I didn't get into until kind of later on and it's helped me tremendously 
and not having to overthink something. If I'm only working on one, it seems to take up all of your attention and I tend to overwork things. How, how did you come to that part of your practice where you're working on all these pieces at once? Is that something that was intuitive that started when you were beginning as a painter or how did that evolve? Uh, so I think that was, I think that was something that had happened when I was in grad school and, you know, maybe the demands to produce went up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, the necessity to have several things going at once was kind of like a practical thing at first. And then it evolved into, um, you know, what I, what I do now, which is, which is maybe less of a, a practicality of production and more so a, um, an asset to the like theory and thinking out the concepts of the work. So essentially you know, I'll hang things, uh, like just for example, we'll get back to this piece, like, you know, I'm just sort of, you know, you're in the flow, I'm painting this one, and then I just randomly pick up a little canvas and start painting that one, and this I put on the ground underneath that, so, and it was just to get it out of the way, it was just so, like, it was just a good place to stack it, to lean the little one, and then you start looking at things, and you're like, that would be really great. It looks great there. It looks great sitting under that big one, you know, and now it's, it's now it's like a conversation and now, you know, what is happening in the production side of the studio becomes part of the like content of the work. You know what I mean? So it's not just like this sort of mechanized practical, uh, I'm just starting grad school. I should be making more paintings and maybe I should just do them all at once in, in, and then evolves into this other thing. That's like, yeah, look at that. Look at that little painting next to that big one. It looks, it looks great. And now that's, uh, that's what that, that serves. And it's a better way, uh, uh, for me to generate new images, uh, just to keep the conversation fresh sort of and like breathe new life into things because again like i said i'll do a lot of work in photoshop just because i like that process and i like how immediate that is um but at the same time you know you, you hit a ceiling with that with that work um and then to start moving things around in real time as if you're working in photoshop then it's like oh my god you know uh you, you, i feel as though that's when i'm like okay now i'm 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 like culminating all of these things at once it's no longer compartmentalized now there's like a flow between these processes and what i'm doing in real life versus the stuff that i'm doing on the computer and it's all sort of just uh one thing um i think also getting back to the thinking like a sculptor and acting like a painter it, this what I'm talking about now, you know, the flow between those things and uh, uh, the ability to move between mindsets and practices and ways of working, I think, is a, just a really great um, uh, way to, you know, you just get that, the it's just, just the flow, I guess, you know, um, you know, nothing is nothing has to be in a certain place. You know, you can pick and choose things at will. And more importantly, once you kind of open the doors for these elements to communicate with one another, there is a part two where they kind of start, have their own flow uh, between like, whether it's like materials, 
ideas, tools, or whatever. Uh, but you're allowing the work to kind of make itself a little bit. You know, it's not so much, you know, I'm a painter. I'm a figurative painter. I'm going to paint the figure. I'm going to paint it in oil, and I'm going to paint it well. You know what I mean? It's like, cool. What else? You know, now it's like you step back and you kind of see, you kind of see things, you know, communicate on their own, and um, that's that's exciting to me. Um, so. Yeah, I can see where you're starting with the the foundations where you're working all these pieces in Photoshop and you have, you know, you have an idea, but then the works kind of manifest when they're, when you're in the studio and then ideas change and they kind of take on a life of their own, which is kind of the state as an artist, that's, that's like the sweet spot. You know, that's where you, that's where you want to be. Right when you're creating is when things are just kind of flowing and happening, and you know the paintings are kind of talking to each other, or you know you find connections that you didn't think about before when you're when you have them together, or even like you said, if you have to rework something, and that kind of you know the paintings kind of telling you, well, no, that doesn't look quite right. I think you know try something different. Sure. Yeah, and that's. Great term is a sweet spot. It's that it's that feeling, um, and you know I hope it doesn't sound lazy, but like really, you know, I mean to articulate what a painting is about, or you know, I mean, I, I guess in its purest form, you know, the paintings are are really about themselves. You know, I mean. I bring information to it as a human being because I've had experiences, I have memories and things like that. But, uh, yeah, to kind of let it do its own thing. is like, you, you're searching for that sweet spot. It's a, it's a feeling, right? It's not about, um, it just, it should have a feeling. It should, when you approach it, it should have, a, 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 again, like a, uh, just a feeling. Like an aura. That, that, yeah, right. Exactly. Like, like an aura, um, where, you know, you don't necessarily need to know exactly what's happening. You just need to feel that something is happening. And that's, that's, that's enough for me, you know? Um, and that's really what I chase, you know, in the studio is just like combining these elements and trying and experimenting until it has a feeling and you, and you feel like you've got that sweet spot where it's like, okay, it's balanced. It's pretty. Um, it's, it's, maybe a little mysterious you know there may have to be some decoding involved in it um and yeah it becomes sort of like uh mythologized that way you know it's 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 a little unknown um so yeah for sure that, you know finding that sweet spot which is easier said than done uh, so i you mentioned feeling like in the aura like we're trying to tap into that conversation but when I'm thinking of the neon that has, you know, energy and you're painting mostly live luscious, um, foliage, right. Plants. And do you ever paint the opposite of that? Like, uh, a fluorescent light or a, a neon light that's not illuminated next to not living plants or something along those lines, or, or does it not interest you? Yeah. Well, no, that, that's interesting. That would be, that'd be actually really interesting. Unlit neon lights. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, the neon light thing, I've done some neon light paintings that were just like sort of abstract, uh, compositions. 
on like a dark blue background without the foliage, which uh, I like very much as sort of, I don't know, these like signs, sort of like signs, just this kind of like, like primitive symbol, um, like in and of it. But, you know, I mean, I like the light. I like the electricity. I like trying to, you know, take something that's like pure energy, like electricity and make it sort of static. It's probably a futile pursuit. Like, I don't know if, I mean, they look like neon lights for sure, but it seems, it seems, you know, there's an absurdity there that's kind of interesting too. And the fact that, you know, I mean, electricity is such a part of contemporary life. It brings the paintings and making paintings with traditional materials out of that history and makes it current. So the light is important. I guess more so the, the trying to depict the electricity is, is important to me or exciting, like trying to document that, you know, before seemingly, I don't know, burns out in my mind or in real life or whatever, you know, this sort of like trying to yeah document that uh, uh, part of contemporary life is exciting to me and interesting. Yeah, for sure. I hope we do have a little bit more time because I wanted to jump into another area of your practice that I kind of relate to as a graphic designer because I have a graphic design background is the typography. I know you have a lot of pieces, you know, that are representational of words where you use the tape and letter form, and then you have words painted on animals. And um, can you just talk a little bit about how, you know, that, that seems to me, well, it does bring another element into it, obviously, but um, you know, there's a lot of layers there too. I mean, when you're, when you're using tape to, to make letter forms, and then actually you're, you're painting a very realistic version of a three-dimensional piece of tape. There's a lot of elements going on there, but I'm interested to hear your um, take on how you kind of got started with adding letter form. Yeah, uh, so that's a good question. I feel like the text was like a, a real eye-opener for me, and one of the things that sort of um, brought me out, again, of just being like this traditional painter you know, trying to paint the most realistic image and, you know, uh, like then what? Okay. It's great. You know, it's a great realistic image, but like, what else is there? Like, where's the magic in the work and where's the like phenomenal aspect of the work. So I was doing, um, these like dog paintings and they kind of started the text where I was, I was, uh, with trepidation thinking about color a lot because, you know, I kind of had this like chronophobia. I, I feel like I still do maybe a little bit. I don't know, but you know, just like trying to get in and use color, uh, which is what a painter should be doing. Right. Um, and I was thinking to myself like, okay, well, what if I just write the word like orange on the dog and call it an orange dog? And I just thought that was really interesting. And that was like the first time I started thinking about like conceptual art a lot. And that was also really exciting to me because especially traditional painters fall into a very uh, isolating kind of mindset that I sort of began to resent which was, oh, well, what is this conceptual art? What is, you know, like, is that art or like sort of implying that it wasn't or like those schools of thought was not real art. 
And it is. And, it, and I, I sort of resented that. Uh, and, and that was when I kind of, as a traditional painter, was like, I'm going to expand my mind rather than like sort of, I don't know, just like double down on these ideas that art can only be one thing. Or even so, like if you're a conceptual artist, you can't be doing works in oil on canvas. It was exciting to me to mash these things together. Anyway, that was when I was learning about sort of conceptual art and, and, and taking the text and using the, the like semiotics of text and, and implying things rather than doing them uh, directly. It seemed more interesting to me. And then the text kind of just, you know, took off from there. And that, that, you know, a lot of the works became just text stuff. So that was like, okay, I would think of a painting and then I would say, well, I'm going to discard the imagery and I'm just going to write it. And uh, lately, especially, especially with this one, uh, you know, I like that's still all oil paint. Uh, it's from a vinyl stencil that I paint and then I pull the vinyl off. But, you know, again, to sort of pursue these mechanized visual elements in a work with oil paint like traditional materials is, is something i think is is interesting you know so to use these materials that are you know thousands of years old probably um to uh or no hundreds i guess i don't know if it's thousands of oil paint but anyway um you know these these like archaic materials to make new images is, is cool to me you know it's it's a i like that conversation and i like those moments i'm glad that you I'm glad that you mentioned that it was not vinyl letters, that it was actual oil paint paint. Could because in my mind that that you they were just, you know, vinyl letters placed or applied onto the canvas, but that's great. So so I've I've done that with a few pieces on the wall. Like if you look closely at, you know, the details of each work, like there's one that has uh, a wooden it's like white white these like white palm leaves on like a, I'm sorry, green palm leaves on like a white background with like a big, almost like a smile line, uh, like pink neon line. And then it has a wood panel of it. And then it has text on the wall that is actually vinyl. Uh, but I like taking the mechanized, you know, vinyl letters and making a stencil and having it all oil on canvas. Nice. Yeah, definitely your idea or your sentiment about the text activating a painting, I think is intriguing in that when you think um, about just applying text on a different, an image that may not, you know, relate and on the surface level, it, it makes you think about the painting in its entirety. It makes you stop and see what, maybe what the relations are or if there was a relationship between the text and the painting that you didn't think of. So activation, I think is a great word to describe that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm happy you said that because, uh, I, I mentioned this, but you, you reminded me like in the, in the beginning, you know, it is a great way to physically slow people down. Um, and you know, I mean, I guess that was like, that was important to me that's been important to me for a while to get people to spend time with your work, which seems obvious, but 
you know, I'm always trying to come up with maybe like quote unquote good ideas or whatever. Uh, but again, my thought was that I just wanted to make a more sustaining experience with people in the work. And that was a great way to do it, especially if you do text pieces, like I've done text pieces with no spaces and you just jam them all in symmetrically as you can. And, you know, it was fun for me just to watch people at shows like stop and like scratch their head and either get frustrated and walk away or like spend all evening trying to like decode these phrases, sometimes silly, sometimes not, sometimes just a phrase that would describe an image uh, that I would normally just paint the picture of. Uh, but yeah, it's a good way to get people to just slow down a little bit and spend spend time time with the work, which is important, you know. And it's a way, especially if you throw them off a little bit, you know, codify it a little. Um, it definitely works because it took me a couple minutes to figure one or two of them out. So we talked about your work, where it's being shown a little bit about that, and then can you talk about maybe the future or what's on the horizon? Uh, yeah. So I'm. Planning, um, I'm planning hopefully uh, two solo shows soon um, in uh, in 2024, and then probably another one. Not not exactly your way, but in 2025. Right now, I have a friend, a dear friend of mine, and a collector of my work who's shown real support. Uh, his name is Doug Fanning and he runs Dyad Design out of Red Hook, Brooklyn. And he was an architect, an architectural uh, professor at Columbia. And he decided that he was going to start making furniture and quit his teaching job. And he has uh, like a design shop in Red Hook, but he's a huge painting fan. He loves paintings, uh, which is really funny. Uh, kind of thing because he's a very yeah, he's a metal worker uh, and he has a very industrial uh, practice himself but loves color and loves uh, paintings and has even has like an early Alyssa Monk's painting from when she was uh, uh, at the New York Academy and um, so anyway do you know the name of the design shop yeah design D-Y-A-D uh, design in Red Hook Brooklyn um, and on Instagram, uh, Doug Fanning, he's really great. I got no problem plugging him. So, so, uh, but yeah, he lives in Brooklyn, um, and he's like lives and works there. Uh, but he just expanded his shop, and he was gonna turn it into a showroom. But he's doing like artist, uh, like project shows there and things like that, where they basically just like roll out these white walls and do shows there. He has little artist collectives, so. We're going to try to work on a solo show uh, maybe this summer, uh, more realistically, maybe uh, September of 2024, something like that. So, I mean, I'm always making in general, um, you know, I would I would use a show as an excuse to maybe make more or, or like maybe do some site specific stuff. Uh, but I'm I'm just always making I, I kind of have to like keep moving so uh yeah we'll see when exactly that all happens and then maybe solo show at florida mining once they get their space uh their new space established um so but yeah right on working in the meantime. so russ thank you very much for spending some time with us it was great to learn about your work and uh, i look forward to the future thank you.
Thank <laughs> you.